This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. And if you want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode, join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field to find us. We look forward to seeing you there. Hi, this is Marina Sirtis, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. You're listening to Trek FM. Theo Greyhawk. And welcome to another episode of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Amy Nelson, and joined with me today is Justin Ozer. Justin, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great today. Great to be here for another cup of Earl Grey. We both attended the Star Trek convention here in Las Vegas, um, but we weren't the only people there. We ran into Bruce Gibson, host of Literary Treks, and we have him here with us. Bruce, how you doing? I'm doing good. You make it sound like you didn't know I was going to be there and just happened to run into me when you're the one who's like, you've got to go, you've got to go, you're going, you're going, you're going, you're going. And then I went. Well, I did channel my Troy empath feelings to, you know, use some persuasion to get you to come, but it was all your choice. <laughs> and then you just happened to run into me there. I <laughs> know. <laughs> Bruce, where are you? <laughs> yeah, and it was great. It was my first time there at uh, for the Las Vegas show. I've been to others, but not the Vegas one. Yeah. Justin, have you been to other Star Trek conventions or was this, this your was first? This was my very first Star Trek convention or convention of any kind. So it was all new to me. Wow. Yeah. yeah. A momentous occasion. I had some people before who knew I was going on, on Twitter beforehand and they were like, oh my goodness, your first one and it's a big one. It's going to be overwhelming and everything. I'm like, no, it'll, it'll be fine. And it was great. I mean, it was nonstop for a while, but, uh, but it was so amazing and I'm glad we will get a chance to talk about, uh, the things we saw there. Yeah. Cause you handled it like a pro, like you weren't, you didn't have that look on your face. Like, I don't know what to do next. This is overwhelming. This is like too many people. Where do I go? What do I see? What happens? Ah. You were like yeah. calm and cool. Like, yeah, I'm going to move over here now. And now I'm going to go do this. And now I'm going to go have a drink at this bar. Yeah, very yeah. gung-ho, very organized. I was very impressed in the amount that you were able to accomplish. I was like, man, Justin is a pro. This is my fourth time coming. And he, you, I think you saw more than I did my previous three years. And speaking well, of bar, he, he doesn't drink, so. 
Yeah, I don't drink alcohol, actually, which is something I have not previously revealed. It's a confession. But no, I, I was channeling my inner data. And uh, people that have known me for a long time know that in most situations, I'm pretty calm and things don't affect me too much. So I take my inspiration from data on that, at least data without an emotion chip. This was a data con for you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, we are going to be talking about Star Trek Las Vegas. And uh, for those of you who weren't able to join us, maybe next year, it will be uh, the Deep Space Nine 25 anniversary. But this year, um, the dates were, what were they, August 2nd Uh, to the 6th? Was when the convention officially was. And it is the next generation 30th anniversary. So we were very, I was very pleased to go and celebrate with all the fans from around the world who love next gen as much as I do. So we're just going to talk a couple things uh, that we saw And first would be like our, you know, what did you think when you walked in? So this is held at uh, the Rio hotel and casino in Las Vegas, Nevada and in the convention area. So you'd walk down, you have to go through all the casino stuff and then go down a couple long halls. And there is the convention, a huge rotunda. And every year they've had it, they have a huge Delta shield right there in the middle that you can take pictures with. Um, And so what did you think when you entered the entire convention area overall? Well, for for me, you know, Andrew, I'd seen some pictures from from years past, but but I was just impressed by how big this thing is. So you mentioned the the rotunda area. So there <clears throat> there is this big area that has the big Delta Shield. They had some video screens that were playing TNG episodes, which was really cool. Um, that's also where the main theater is, which I think heard see, seats uh, six thousand people, which is pretty amazing. That's a huge theater, and then right around the corner from there. Um, there are secondary theaters, which still, you know, seat a lot of people and different rooms and, and places where, you know, props are on display, art exhibits, uh, and, and there's places for, you know, photo ops and a vendor's room. So it's this, this huge area where there's so much going on. And my first impression was just how big this area was and how, when you first get there, we, uh, I think it started on, on Wednesday, not everybody's there. The peak days are like Friday or Saturday. So it felt a little bit, um, empty at, at first, but as the days went along and it filled up more and more, it's incredible how many thousands of people were, were there. So I was impressed by just kind of the immensity of it and how much was going on. I was just trying to figure out where I go to get my wristband. <laughs> so I got to the rotunda and there's this big Delta shield in the standing there in the middle, which I've seen pictures, for example, like last year, but this was the one from discovery and everybody's taking their picture in front of this. I think everyone who went to the convention took their picture in front of this Delta shield, except for me. And me. Uh, okay. So there's oh, two no, of us. You guys. <laughs> we should have done a group picture in front of it. Yeah. yeah. But I got there and I saw this little table in the hallway right before you enter the rotunda. And there's just like a few people standing around it. And I didn't know what that was all about. So then I went and I saw a line and I got in a line and they told me I had to go back to the table. So now I got the routine of go to the table, show them my little printed ticket. They, they punched it. Then I went into the other line and got my wristband. Now that might appear like, oh, wow, you went to two different locations just to get your wristband. But all that process took probably less than five minutes. So 
it wasn't much of anything. And I got there right at one forty-five, and the uh, first discovery panel started at two thirty, which I was trying to make it. So I got from the airport, which landed my plane landed at twelve forty-five, and I got through to the rotunda with my wristband at one forty-five, and so I did it all in an hour, which I was very pleased. But I was hot like crazy, and they had fans, so I was fanning myself with a Visa card fan thing for Star Trek. <laughs> And that's when Amy ran into me. She's like, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> and I'm in there freezing because yeah, I've was. been. <laughs> they keep, just so you know, if ever you go to a convention, especially in Las Vegas, please bring jackets because it's freezing cold in there. I'm always freezing. I always have my sweatshirt with me because it's just cold. But yeah, so you saw the Delta Shield and um, they also had... Oh, remember just right down the hall, I, there was a really huge influx that I've never seen previously with the comics and authors and books. And maybe that's just because I never noticed it, but they had, when you turned the corner down the hall from the main theater, they had two big displays and it was for the uh, comics <laughs> to help broken? me out. Mirror broken. Yeah. Uh, and I was so excited because Bruce and Dan from Literary Treks got me going on this comic book series. So I was super excited to see that. And um, so that sort of got you to the main thoroughfare for all the different rooms and stuff. So, um, oh, did you get your picture? They have a big backdrop for Star Trek Las Vegas um, with the red carpet. Did you get your picture taken there? That one I did. Oh, good job, Justin. I did not. You did not? Oh. <laughs> what did you get a picture in front of? I'm Anything? Not, I don't take very many pictures of myself. I just don't do many selfies. I did take my a picture of myself in front of the Enterprise Bridge. So oh, very good. All right. that the was, original series that was bridge? One. Yes, the original series bridge. Okay. Yeah, that they set up every year, and I love walking into that room. They have the lights all dimmed, and the original enterprise bridge set up with all the panels lit up they have the sounds of the bridge i mean you walk in and there's a sort of reverence that's there and you can hear the swishing of the doors and the little beeping and it just seems hallowed ground and i go walking in every year and just feel the presence of star trek i love that room and always make sure to go in oh that's that's very cool may i make a complaint <laughs> I only have yes. one complaint about the convention, actually, and it's very minor. But uh, when I there, so down in that section, there's the room with the Enterprise Bridge. There's the room with the uh, costumes and uh, props from Discovery, and then there's another room that had some art artwork and a replica of Ten Forward. So there's these three rooms. So the first day I went there, I got in line to go to the room for discovery and I noticed people just randomly walking into the other two rooms which then I had to after I got through the room with discovery I had to go do something else I thought well I'll come back later or tomorrow the next day I went and they would not let me in that area not even to the enterprise bridge they said you have to get in line for discovery even to get to the enterprise bridge and I'm like I'm not doing that again but I was able to come back later and I just then they start saying well if you want to go just the enterprise bridge you can go in 
without standing in line. So there was a there was there was something going on because there was a lot of people standing around complaining. One guy asked if there was a manager or somebody they could speak to because this woman was turning everybody away. Said, "Nope, you have to get in line for Discovery to see anything else that's past this area." I think that must have just happened to you because I did not experience that at all. Justin? Yeah, I, I I don't remember that. But one thing that that I thought was was problematic was as it got busier, like Friday, Saturday, there ended up being like the this big chaos around the different lines. There was a line for for uh, the discovery props and costumes. There was a line for 10 forward. There was a line, you know, to go over here to get William Shatner's autograph or Patrick Stewart's autograph. And there were all of these like weird, like intersecting lines that they had to cut off and put in different places. So it was a little disorganized when there was a lot that was, that was going on with, with the different lines. I felt that could have used some more, more organization, but sorry, Bruce, I hope they weren't singling you out. Cause I don't remember something no, no, specifically like what you're to, talking about. No, she was saying it to other people too. It wasn't just me. And I said to her, I said, well, I'm just going to the bridge. She's like, no, you have to get in line for discovery. You can't come this area unless you get in line for discovery. But it was funny. Cause when I went back a few hours later, it was the same woman. And I went to her again. I said, I really just want to go to the bridge. She goes, okay, that's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. But it's, that's funny. Yeah. But it, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not complaining about the whole show. That was that was the only complaint I had that there was something was miscommunicated or, or something like that. But yeah, I noticed the lines, the busier days seem to be all scattered all over the place. I wasn't in any of the lines, so it didn't, it didn't affect me. Yeah. You mentioned, um, so yeah, those rooms, there was the enterprise original enterprise bridge, the enterprise D 10 forward, um, you had this props and displaying costumes for Discovery. They also had props and uh, uniforms for uh, Next Gen. Yeah, Which I missed I mean, somehow. I don't even know what room that was in. You missed that? <laughs> yeah, with the TNG stuff. Oh my stuff, gosh, yeah. they had... Okay, so I, of course, have been <laughs> multiple years. They had new stuff in there. So last year, they had... Well, my favorite that I remember, Troy's blue dress was on display. So I, of course, remember that. But so this when you, year, the, did you do that the day you were wearing Troy's blue dress to just kind of compare? Well, that was last <laughs> year that they had. So, oh, oh, last year they had that. They didn't have yeah, that this year. So this okay. year they, they had different things, which I really appreciated. Some of the highlights um, was that they had Data's arm that has the the thing that comes up. So you see, and they had it lit up. So you could see that portion, his forearm with the lights and stuff lit up. That was really cool. They had um, Picard's family album from Generations that he opens that. Um, they had that and they had, oh, from First Contact, the Borg Queen's skull and neck, you know, that twitches at the very end. They had that on display. They had some amazing uh, props and displays displays there for us to see. It, it was great. Yeah. Another, I, did, I did take pictures of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not in them, but yeah, I'm like Guinan, her costume was there. Yeah. Wow. And, I can't believe uh, I missed that. Cochran from, uh, obviously first contact, his whole uniform costume was there. They had some really good displays, uh, for props and uniforms. So that was a big highlight, um, for me because I'd been previous. And so this was all brand new. So I appreciated them bringing in new props. Yeah. That was Another in the same room with 10 forwards. It was on the right hand side wall. Okay. See, I, I didn't have a chance to see the 10 forward either. So that's why I missed uh, it. Oh, okay. 
I couldn't, did, I couldn't, you, I couldn't see everything, unfortunately. You know yeah. what? Like, when did I see the Discovery props and costumes? The last 15 minutes it was available on Sunday. <laughs> That's when I oh, saw wow. it because there was all this stuff I wanted to do and see and, and all of that. But, um, one, one other thing that, that I did see that I really loved was, um, listeners might know that Juan Ortiz did, uh, did some, they were like movie posters for episodes of the original series all, I think it was 80, including the cage. And he did that this year for TNG. So they had this huge display of all 176, uh, posters that, that he had done and looking at them was, was really something one for every single episode. He took all of the time to do that. And in the vendors room, they were selling, a book that's not available yet. It's going to be available in early September of all of these, these prints. Uh, so I picked up that book and that was a real we highlight for up me. That book. Yeah. Well, we right, were, you there were there at the same, at the same time. time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I, that was something I wanted to touch on too. Just, he captured the episode in his art and his art is so good unique to me. And so to get this book and have each episode, it's very, very, I I will treasure that. It's already on display in my classroom. And so, yeah, purchasing it early and we, it's a limited editions and we have the uh, author's signature that goes with that. So that definitely is a treasure that we have. Did you happen to make it into the Roddenberry vault room? I didn't. Oh my I didn't goodness. even know that. Uh, wait, where was that? So that in the, one of the hallways. I don't remember the, that. One of the rooms. Oh my goodness. So see, I am the true lover of next gen listeners, just so you know. Um, they, so Roddenberry last year, they had it for the 50th, right? And everything was the original series. So this year it was uh, TNG 30. And so they had on huge, big posters and boards and stuff like different uh, clips from episodes like real. I did see the, that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so different and like photo shoots of different characters and just seeing all the clips and like uh, magazine covers and stuff like that. And just the Roddenberry vault, if you're familiar with that on mission log or, um, you, you know, you, he has those available. And so he had them uh, the Roddenberry ball on display. And it was just wonderful walking through that and seeing the past 30 years right there, you know? Yeah. I don't think I realized it was called the Roddenberry vault. I just walked into a room. I was like, Oh, look, there's pictures like behind the scenes that I've never seen. And yeah, those were pretty cool. A lot of them were black and white. Um, uh, there were several that were from the first like pilot episode or right before. I mean, there were some early photos in there from the next generation. Yeah, the big goodbye, Beverly, and she did a little photo shoot, and that was really fun. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah, oh, all these things that I missed. But, oh dear, you know, we'll we'll talk about things that I didn't miss. But, but that's typical but another, conventions. You're always going to miss things. <laughs> oh, you, there's no way that you can get to to everything. Maybe you could have a group of like four or five people, and you all divide up and make sure at least one person does that you know, each thing, but, uh, yeah, it, it's hard. You have to be selective. You can't do everything because there's conflicting things. But one of the things I liked as well is as you were, um, you know, walking away from the, the rotunda toward the secondary theaters and, and rooms, they had these nice, uh, banners of different TNG characters. They had, um, you know, like, like Picard and Riker and, and, um, 
and Dr. Crusher and even I think there was one of Q and even maybe even Gold Madrid. I, I, there were just these really cool artistic prints and banners that kind of lined the hallway to to celebrate the 30th of, of TNG. And I, I, I like that little touch as well. Yeah, that definitely set the mood for that. This is next gen 30. Yeah. All right. They also had um, a, a drop for photo op of the Borg cube. And oh, so I think I, it was the regeneration uh, little chambers. Yeah. No, no, right. no, no, no. Yeah. They had the Borg regeneration and then they had the um, from the original series, the transporter pad. Oh, the transporter. Yeah. But I'm talking just a backdrop. Like there the was tribble. a backdrop that was like a, oh, there was the triple one, but you said there yeah, was a the cube triple one. one. So there was one that I took with the Borg cube behind me. So I, I took see that, that one. Oh. So much that you, <laughs> you saw that I didn't. You should have hung out with Amy the whole time. <laughs> uh. Well, I just, you know, I was soaking in everything that was next gen. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, and that one was a new backdrop because I had seen the other ones previous years. So I think they did um, overall a good capturing the next gen. I mean, the Wednesday was a big discovery. And of course, you're going to have the the highlight because that is the new and upcoming. But discovery aside, I think everything else really did feel next gen. And, and I appreciated that. So there, the reason that you go to conventions is to go to panels and get to listen to different guests there. So, um, Justin, tell us some of the panels that you went to and if they were your favorite and why. Well, I, I did go to a number of, uh, of TNG panels. There were, um, you know, some with, with, uh, with individual actors or duos of actors. So there was one that just had Patrick Stewart, which was amazing. He told stories about his childhood and about some of his experiences. And I enjoyed that, uh, quite, quite a bit because you got to see him just by himself. Um, and then there were other ones that were, that were groups. There was, um, uh, Marina Sirtis and, and Michael Dorn, and they had a lot of, a lot of fun together. They tease each other a lot. Yeah, they are always so much fun together. You can tell that they have a true friendship. Yeah, definitely. And uh, there was one with uh, LeVar Burton and Brent Spiner, and they have they have a good kind of chemistry. It was almost like at first that they were doing like this stage act where they were they were kind of uh, making fun of each other, but they they had a good time. But and I went to a number of of other panels, but definitely easily the highlight was the. Uh, the 30th reunion panel uh, on Friday night, which had most of the cast. Unfortunately, Jonathan Frakes couldn't make it because, well, first he wasn't going to come, then he was going to come, and then his flights got canceled. So I was sad that he wasn't there, but um, it did have most of the cast. It had uh, Patrick Stewart and LeVar Burton and Brent Spiner, Marina Sirtis, Gates McFadden, Denise Crosby, John Delancey. Am I missing anybody? Michael Dorn. Michael Dorn. Can't believe. It. So it it had and and when I'd heard about this and seen a few recordings, but when those guys get together, they are hilarious. I'd say especially Marina Sirtis was just cutting everybody up with with what she was saying. She was hilarious, but they were all really really funny, and they were taking shots at Michael Dorn about how annoying he was on the set, and good fun, of course. Um, but what was really interesting about that panel was they came out and they were like, you know what? We declined having a moderator. We're just going to take audience questions. Um, 
And so I thought that that was really cool. I got to ask a question and to promote Earl Grey in a small way in front of 6,000 people, which was cool. Justin was very good at getting up to the microphone and asking questions at panels. Well, I, hey, I was only at three panels. It wasn't at everyone, but <laughs> but but yeah, at that one, I was like, okay, how do you do this? I guess I'll just, you know, there's already a few people up there. I'll get up there and wait. So I think I waited for, you know, half an hour or something like that to get in my question. And that was a new experience and that that was fun. But that, that 30th uh, reunion panel was, was just the best, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. Amy, do you think it was the best? <laughs> All right. So, okay. Again, in my opinion, it was. I, I know, enjoyed but that I'm a just lot. reading Amy's face, and I, I've got an opinion <laughs> too, but I want to hear what Amy says. All right. So, I've seen them all together before, as I mentioned, because I've been to previous conventions here. And so, I've seen them, except for last year on the 50th, they've always been together. So, I'm sort of used to seeing them together, except for last year. And that was one of my complaints last year is like, well, why didn't they have all the panels put together? Um, they had, you know, they had like Marina, Michael, and Denise, and then they would have uh, Brent and LeVar and. Was uh, Gates there? Uh, anyways, but so they had them separated for the 50th and they did that with all of the pa- all of the main shows. So like Voyager, their panel, they just had three or four people at a time instead of the entire crew. So I was surprised to see that. And so then to say, oh, they're going to be all together again. I'm like, well, that's what I'm used to seeing. And then they charged us extra for it. I was a little unless upset. You had a, unless you had a package. But but yeah, I, I, for general admission, they did charge, which, which is yeah, a so shame. Yeah, so I was general admission. And so then I, I had to pay extra to go to this panel that in years past has always been included and just always been part of the panel. So I was a little peeved at that. Um, sometimes, I don't know if you've been to conventions before, but sometimes audience questions can just roll your eyes. Oh my gosh, I have Uh-oh, to hear this person again. Did you roll your eyes again. at my question? No, I didn't because you're new, but I've heard <laughs> these same... <laughs> next next year, you'll roll my eyes. Okay. <laughs> Maybe next year, Justin, if you ask the same question. I'm I'll serious. i different question. These, but I know, but these fans ask the same questions and start with the same stories. And I'm like, okay, there's how many thousand others that are fans and we've now I've heard your I've named my son blah 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 if you went to the convention you know what I'm talking about and so I won't finish but I've heard that story now four years in a row and I just don't think that that's fair to us fans and so I was hesitant that they didn't have a moderator because I like hearing them talk and not so much the fan questions. But Marina was amazing. She took control. She's awesome. So I enjoyed that interaction. Bruce, your opinion. (laughs) Well, yes, I was general admission. I paid the extra $30. It didn't bother me that I paid the $30 because I've never seen the entire cast on stage together in person. I've seen all the YouTube videos, so I feel like I've been to many of the panels with all of them, but this is the first time I was actually there live. Afterwards, I thought about it. I was like, did it feel like it was worth $30? And I was like, "Eh." it just felt like it 
should have been just part of the whole convention. It didn't feel that much special. But then again, I've been to so many conventions where I've seen, like you're saying, two or three of them together or mix and match or whatever. This is just the first time I've seen them all together on the stage in person. But I mean, I enjoyed it. Uh, Their interaction is fun. I don't I don't really think they needed the moderator. I think they they handled it fine. And I think you're right. Marina just kind of took control, which I think helped. And she's a hoot and she's a lot of fun. Um, the ending got awkward. And I was like, ooh, this is kind of ending on a bad note. But that is actually one of my favorite parts because um, and I rewatched it on YouTube. <laughs> so even if you didn't go look it up on YouTube, you can find the whole thing. But Marina starts talking about being an actress. Well, basically, it's getting back to those audience questions. And I don't even now recall what it is because when this whole big thing, there's this woman who I think she was from like Ole Miss or something. Anyway, she's a teacher. She teaches acting or she has theater classes. I don't know what it is. And she's like, you know, what what do I tell my students about being a media person or something media like professional, I think media was what they said. Professional, like yes. That, yeah. Media professional. That's what you want to tell your acting students. You want to be a media professional. Anyway, um, I feel the same as Marina right now. But anyway, John Delancey kind of chimes it because I've done acting. John Delancey <laughs> chimes in. And he, he talks about, well, you know, we're actors and, and you can't just go out there and get a big acting role. You need to start in your hometown, do theater there, take advantage of all the things, hone your craft there. And then it all turned in Marina saying about the craft and, you know, I'm I'm an actress. I'm not here to change the world. It's great that we're on Star Trek. It's great that, you know, we're involved in a property that that has that message. But that's not why we got involved. We got involved because we're actors and we were looking for work and we want parts and we want to do acting. It's about the craft. And then I know I'm going on too long, but so did this. But then she talks about how being from England and you know, Patrick, you agree with me on this, right? Being from (laughs) England, it's all about uh, the craft and being good actors and they don't pay you crap over there. So it's all about doing acting, but here in the United States, all everybody wants to do is just be famous. That's what they're all about. That's everybody she meets in America. They just want to be famous. And then Gates, of course, gets a little annoyed because she teaches acting and she has a, has her students who are yeah, all she about teaches the acting in the, in the U S where the Marina US. was talking about. Yeah. So there was a little, uh, a little bickering back and forth, back and forth yeah. on that, even to the point that Gates just put her microphone down and was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. And you could hear the audience even go, ooh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, it was very tense for sure. It, it, but the problem is that Marina was being very general as if all people in America want to do acting because they want to be famous. And Gates is like, no, that's not true. And America is a big country. England's small. So there you go. And that, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, that was a huge dig. That was hilarious. But what I loved about all this was not that really that interaction, but it's what Patrick Stewart said at the end. And he's very genuine saying, you know, I'm afraid that sometimes we disappoint you because Basically, we, you know, a lot of people, who, especially who ask, ask questions, expect them to know all about Star Trek and their characters and, and, and as if they are their characters and they're trying to change the world and messaging. And, and he's basically saying, you know, it was a job from years ago and we appreciate it and we enjoy it. But 
essentially, yeah, they're they're actors and, and sometimes they don't know how to answer the questions and and they can't give the answers that they think that you want because that's not who they are. or They don't really do or can really answer the question you're asking and it gets a little cumbersome and boom that's when the panel ended so it kind of ended on a sour note but i love that that they addressed that because it's true i think a lot of people cannot break the connection between the character and the actor i mean they are paid actors they didn't write their parts there's writers behind it yeah one thing from the panel and sorry we're spending so much time on this but one thing that i felt was really important that they said was you know they are actors and the fact that we're still talking about it 30 years later like that's a that's a consequence that's a side effect that's that's what happened because of the good acting. They weren't out to act these parts and and have that as the the main outcome, right? They're there to to read their lines and give the emotion needed for there. So the fact that we're still talking about it and they gave credit, they're like, that's to the writers, that's to the showrunners who, who oversaw that we were there to read our lines and, and go home. And I really appreciated that, but it, but what they did bring to their characters, right. We still talk about and, and enjoy and, and rejoice for what they did there. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it was an interesting place to end it. Although, with that discussion that Marina and, and Gates were were having, I noticed as you you know you were filing out of the the theater, I was talking with my wife about that. I heard other people talking about it. it. Actually, generated a lot of a lot of interesting discussion. But it was a very different tone than the rest of it, which was like fun loving and poking fun at people. It was it was interesting to end it that way. Yeah, but you know what I really had fun with at these panels, including this one, is the app. Because when you go in the app, people are messaging in real time. So <laughs> yeah. every time I'm in a panel, I'm just seeing what everybody's mes- messaging about what's going on in the panel. So it's just kind of fun to read what everybody's reaction is like, oh, no, snap, and all these things going through, you know? <laughs> Oh, I didn't get on the... Oh, I think that's something new this year, right? It is brand new and very glad that they had it because you you didn't have to keep going back to your program. You could see what was up coming up and what you were missing. Although there was a small thing, which was some things would get changed. Like I had a photo op where the time changed and they put a notification in the app, but I didn't have a chance to like check on it. So I missed that and had to go to an alternate time the next day. It would have been nice if they had just like a little board somewhere, like a little electronic board, like, Hey, this has changed to this so that if you don't have the app or aren't looking at it, you can see what's, what's changed. Well, and if you have the app, all you you should select that you want push notifications because when there was time change, those are popping up on my phone when it was locked. So yeah, Yeah, mine too. Ah, okay. So there's things that I missed as far as, as opportunities to see cool stuff. And I also missed some of these notifications. All right. I missed a few things. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, you did happen to go to uh, all the music and concerts that they have there. Why don't you tell us the options that were there? I did. Yeah. One of the things that was really fun was one night there was Klingon karaoke. I don't know if you guys went to I think you went to that, Amy. Right? For a little bit. I was there for probably half of it. Yeah, I was there for a lot of it. And it, it was a lot of fun because um, you had uh, J.G. Hertzler and Robert O'Reilly in their makeup as Martok and, and Gowron um, hosting this this uh, karaoke. And they were just, you know, 
singing along and having a good time. And, and it was just, I, but I think the highlight of that was there were two uh, women who are cosplaying as the, the Duras sisters and they, if I'm not mistaken, I think they sang a song entirely in Klingon, which was amazing. Um, so I had fun and people went up. Some of them had really amazing voices. And I, I like going to my wife and I like going to karaoke and just listening to to, uh, you know, people sing. And so that was a lot of fun. I know they had other karaoke nights, but that was the one that I went to was the Klingon karaoke. Um, and they had some concerts, too, on Saturday night, there was a, a gala concert with the Ron Jones Jazz Orchestra. And of course, Ron Jones composed some music for, for TNG, had a really good uh, band and they were playing, you know, kind of, uh, you know, swing or jazz music. And, and that was that was a lot of fun. And then there was the Rat Pack performance on Sunday, which had people like I've got to remember Jeffrey Combs, Max Gradenchik and, and some others that that have like this Rat Pack style performance. And um, that was a lot of fun. So I had fun going to the different, you know, musical performances and, and concerts. Uh, what did you guys think? I like the Klingon karaoke, but I only stay for half. I can only take so much people like singing off key <laughs> for a while, but, um, I didn't really go to any other concerts or, or music events. That was the, I think that was the only thing I went to. Okay. Well, my wife and I are really into the, that style of like jazz or big band or swing music. So we, we had a great time going to those but performances. But I think those, some of those were extra money too, uh, outside of the general. Yeah. The one on Saturday, it was more if, it, if you were general admission, I'm sorry, guys, I, I had the copper package, so I didn't have to pay, pay for some of the extra for some of these things. So I forget. Well, and I've had the copper package up until this year. So I do remember going to the Saturday gala thing. And yeah, I missed that this year. And then I missed the Rat Pack. Yeah. Um, so, well, and again, I've been to other creation uh, conventions for Star Trek. So I've seen some of these things before, too. So that's why I was like, eh, I don't know if I need to go again this time. But but they okay. are a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So walking around the convention, as everyone loves to do, is to watch and see all the cosplay going on. Now, this year, I have to let my listeners know that it was the very first time that I cosplayed. Um, a couple episodes, I talked about the excitement that I had. I had one of my friends, his daughter, so a high school student, make the Deanna Troy blue dress. I was ecstatic, super, super excited. And just in case that wasn't going to work out, I did get a blue, just general science uniform and, you know, dressed it up like Troy. So I actually, for my very first time ever, I cosplays two days in a row. So Friday and Saturday. And Friday was very interesting. I got the wig and pulled my hair back and did the makeup. And then I was just in a blue, you know, science uniform type of thing. And so funny, like no one recognized me until I started speaking. It was hilarious. I couldn't believe the change that people didn't even recognize me. Yeah, that it it's really something like you can put on a different outfit or have different makeup or whatever and people won't uh won't recognize you. They, I haven't cosplayed before, but it actually reminds me of when I was working at a company some years ago and there was like a Halloween like costume contest and I dressed up as a hippie with like a big long hair wig and like a um beads and, you know, 
appropriate outfit at first nobody recognized me just with the addition of like a wig and some beads and some different clothes they were like who is that so it's really something how it can it can transform people I, I remember Amy not recognizing you at first. I think we were kind of in a crowd here, and you're like, over here, over here. And I'm like, where, where, where is it? Because, I mean, you, you've got light hair, and, and now you have this long, dark, curly hair. I mean, it's like, an, it was just so like, where are you? Oh, that, yeah. there you are. It's crazy. It was- but yeah, there's a lot of cool cosplay there. I mean, I never cosplay. I've been to so many conventions and people who know me are always shocked when I say I never cosplay because they think I, that's something I would love to do. And I don't do it. And one main reason is because I just want to be comfortable. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be dealing with a costume and, and doing makeup. And I just want to throw on a T-shirt and jeans and, and go. Yeah. And after doing that, I mean, I only did it for a couple hours. Again, comfort level is because all the other times I'm wearing a Star Trek shirt a t-shirt and jeans, you know? So, um, so I did get to do the blue dress for Troy and that was a huge highlight. And that's where I got the, my picture with the red carpet and everything. So I was happy there, but some of the other amazing cosplays that we saw throughout the convention, I met a couple, um, that actually come from Southern California, San Diego area. They were major cosplay every single day. She was the Borg queen and data from first contact. If you saw them, I remember them. Yeah. Yeah, Every day they were amazing, amazing. Another day they were the founder when she was flaking her skin off and and oh, yeah, like, it was I can't even remember every they would walk by I'm like oh my gosh there's my new friends but what were there any other costumes that you remember saying wow that was pretty impressive uh yeah there um I'm remembering a lot of them from the costume contest that was on Saturday so I mean there were some where you were like wow that's that's a a brave choice. Like there was one guy in the costume contest who was doing like Riker and his angel one outfit. (laughs) Um, that was interesting. Uh, but there were some others that were really something like there were two people that cosplayed as Antedians and people might not remember it from that name, but in an early TNG episode called Manhunt, there were these aliens. It looked like they had kind of circular shower curtains on and like big, like fish eyes and fish heads. And they did it. They, they actually made, I think the eyes from scratch and everything from scratch. And it was incredible to, to, to see that. Yeah. They were really, really good. I saw, I was going to mention those if you didn't bring them up. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the one that impressed me the most was there were two people who cosplayed a scene from the TNG episode Phantasms, which is the one where Date is having these weird hallucinations or nightmares. Um, And in one of them, uh, you know, Data has like this little phone inside of him that that can be answered. And then Troy is there like on a table as part of a cake and he's like slicing a piece out of her cellular peptide cake. And they actually cosplayed that complete with, you know, the table and taking the piece out and the phone. And I think that should have won the costume contest but it didn't even place for for whatever reason but there were so many where you could tell there was so much dedication and and so much thought that was that was put into it uh were there ones bruce that you were impressed by the funny thing is the ones you named are the ones i was gonna say my favorite was the the troy as the cake and and data with the phone and so i'm surprised those didn't place i didn't go to the costume contest i can't think of anything other think of any others that really stand out to me right now. But the thing that did stand out to me was when 
leaving the convention and you're still within the casino and when you go into one of the restaurants or the bars or or something like that where there's a public gathering and you see people sitting around in like starfleet uniforms and there's a ferengi over there and there's a vulcan over there i'm like oh my gosh i actually feel like i'm on like a space station in the star trek universe and i just thought it was so cool there were times i'd actually just stop for a moment and just look around and take it all in it's like i feel like i'm in the star trek universe at this moment because there's all these different uniforms and people sitting there casually like this is an everyday thing you know you you put on your starfleet uniform and you go and you have a big huge pancake <laughs> yeah or you go up to this the slot machine and you gamble that 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 was one thing that really struck me like people in starfleet uniforms you know at, at slot machines gambling and you're thinking like oh that's so much against what the tng era is about but <laughs> so it's this interesting like intersection but yeah people are just just doing it like it's it's a normal everyday thing and i'm sure the people that work at the rio are like oh it's the influx of those people that dress up they're gonna invade the place did for a you while. ever talk to any of the workers from the rio they love us there i did they absolutely they love us i've talked to them <laughs> you know in years past but and i'm not sure how long you stayed so i go early and stay obviously later because i live here in las vegas and so starting basically Monday, two days before the convention really starts, like, yeah, everyone's there. They're in their uniforms, just basic cosplay. And it just seems so natural. And then throughout the week, you get more and more and more. And then Sunday, that's when it sort of hits you that's a little sad. And I left the... Uh, the hotel on Monday. And so Monday leaving the hotel, it was, it's so sad because now it's all this regular boring people and where's my, come on, where's my Starfleet, you know? And it is a very different feel compared from one day to the next once everyone leaves on Sunday and Monday it's just sparse and you'd see someone wearing a t-shirt oh live long and prosper and but it's completely different feel you're back in the real world yeah you you have like a pocket of the Star Trek universe for a little bit but it only exists for that five days or a week yeah And that's why people call it the uh, post-con blues, which I have felt. So, well, we don't want to talk about that. How about there was another main part of the convention, and that is the vendor room. So um, in the vendor room, there are people selling their wares and huge booths like the Creation Booth and Anavos. Is that how you say that? Anavos? They do costuming. There's the Roddenberry booth. So some major big players. And then you have your individual uh, ones uh, that are selling and stuff like that. So in addition, there are tables set out for the secondary hosts um, and also like TNG and Enterprise. Like everyone goes there to sign autographs. And so in this vendor room, I spent a lot of time there this year, more so than I have in years past. So Bruce, uh, tell us in the vendor room, did you purchase anything? Uh, What did you see there that you want to mention? I don't think people in the vendors room like me because I typically don't buy much. So I'm not the type of person that buys much of anything, but I did buy the Star Trek Discovery Delta Shield magnet, 
that I can have on my shirt. It's like everybody pretty much was buying those because you'd see people wearing them throughout. I also bought a Star Trek Discovery t-shirt, size large. I almost bought extra large, but Amy thought that was yes, too big. Yes, I did. So I got the large, <laughs> which is a good call. But that was it. I got, because I wanted to get two Discovery items. Well, I wanted to get the Discovery items because the show is just coming out and want to get it right before it comes out. Outside of that, I didn't buy anything else. There were some cool things around, but um, I did enjoy the vendors room because that's where the Star Trek book authors uh, would sign books and such. And we've had them so much on literary tracks that just like when we do these podcasts, we see each other on screen and talk on the shows, but don't always meet in person. So not only did I meet you guys in person, I met these people that we've had on literary treks quite often. So that was pretty fun too. So, oh, and I got to talk a lot with the Land of the Lost cast. <laughs> they were there too. So I hung out with them for a little while. <laughs> yeah, um, we did find, they had the Discovery Com badges there, the little Delta Shields magnetic. And we actually had someone from the network, Nick, and he was messaging us, hey, when you're there, pick this up for me. And so I was able to do that for him. Um, and let's see what. Oh, I got a fan set. They came out this year with these pins. And so I went and I got the uh Janeway pin. Was it the TNG 31? Oh, okay. uh, oh, yep. Got the TNG 31. That's yeah. We went there and got that one. Had to have that, of course, and was able to get the Deanna Troy little one as well. And I picked up two T-shirts, the TNG 30 and another one. Gosh, I can't. There was. Oh, Discovery yeah. The Discovery. One, Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. And she was debating about a third one for Mirror Broken. Oh, I was. No, you had to bring oh, that up. Oh, they had up. some cool Mirror Broken it. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was I impressed you. that they had that they had so much Mirror Broken um, merchandise, but I guess it's already been pretty successful. Yes. And one of the panels, they mentioned that they are looking to expand or continue that past the miniseries that they're doing. Oh, I got, oh, wait, wait, sorry, I'm not done. Because now I remember what I purchased with you. <laughs> sorry. So, yeah, we got the Juan Ortiz book with all of his art for the episodes. And then I picked up the travel guides, which I've heard on literary treks. Uh, so travel guides for Kronos, the Klingons, and then the travel guide for Vulcan. And because... I know the big wig, Bruce Gibson, uh, I actually had it signed by Dayton Ward. So that was very special in the vendor room. That was special. And yes, you told them he's getting me to read the stuff. And they all, it was David Mack, Kevin Dillmore and Dayton Ward. And they went one, two, three. Thank you. Bruce. Yes, that was good. So, <laughs> but also, oh, and one thing I forgot, it's not really, I get it, it happened in the vendor room, but Larry Nemchek gave me a call sheet from enterprise it's uh the second season episode the communicator and dominic keating and connor trenier who play uh reed and trip were sitting nearby and i went by and they're just sitting there i'm like hey look what i got and they're like where'd you get that from larry and so they were like oh this is great i'm like you want to sign it and they're like yeah but you know we're gonna charge you and i whipped up my credit card i threw it down i'm like 
go at it guys. <laughs> so I have that. I did get, I saw Larry Nemechek and again, I sort of fangirl out over him too, but I re- I got um, his stellar cartography and I brought that with me. And so I had him sign that as well. So that was special too. All right, Justin, what'd you get? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think a lot of stuff. I think I got most of what you got, Amy. Plus, like at fan sets, I got a couple of uh, discovery pins. I got one for the Shenzhou and for Saru and and um, and for Captain Giorgio. Um, and I got a bunch of T-shirts. I don't even know how many. It was it was a whole bunch of them. Um, I did get um, the travel guide signed by Dayton Ward. I got a book signed by David Mack. I also got a book signed by Kirsten Byers. So that was a thrill just to meet them and talk to them and and all of that. And I got the the Juan Ortiz prints. Um, I also there was uh, there were a couple of places where they were selling used Trek novels. So I picked up some Trek novels so I can you know add to my stack of ones I haven't read yet on my shelf. But that was that was cool to pick those up. Um, you know, also in the vendor room, they were doing autographs. So I did get a bunch of autographs. So I went by the TNG table and got Brent Spiner, LeVar Burton, Marina Sirtis, Gates McFadden, Denise Crosby, and John Delancey. And then I also stopped by to get Nicole DeBoer's signature played as Redux on DS9. So I was excited to get all those and to, and to meet people and yeah, just running into people in the vendors room on the last day, I actually ran into three of the discovery writers, Ted Sullivan, Bo Young Kim and uh, Erica Lepold. So that was like an exciting moment because I've been following them on Twitter and I'm so excited about. So you never know at these conventions. That's the other thing that people that might be panelists there or that are involved, have been involved or will be involved in Star Trek. Sometimes they're just walking around and you can bump into them and say, hey, are you this person? Oh, let me just, and you just have a casual conversation for a couple of minutes. That's something that I, I really enjoyed um, as, as well. Um, and one thing I should mention also, uh, while we were in the vendor's room, uh, we were getting some interviews. I can't tell you who with at this point, but on an upcoming episode of Earl Grey, we'll have some some great interviews for you. So we we're busy doing that. Maybe while I was doing that, I was missing out on some other stuff, but it'll be worth it. Uh, one other thing I, <laughs> I wanted to mention was it wasn't in the vendor's room. It was elsewhere. But one of the things I really wanted to do was to get some photo ops. Um, so I got a, a couple of, of photo ops, uh, one with Marina Sirtis, another with LeVar Burton. I uh, got one with George Takei, which was great. And then Robert O'Reilly and J.G. Hertzler, they dress up in their Klingon makeup and you get a photo op with them. I was kind of surprised, though, for the photo ops that they just kind of hustle you through. You're there for like a few seconds and then it's on to the next one. But but that that was fun uh, to, to do. So I had just such a great time in, in so many ways. And I think I did spend a lot of time in the vendor's room just kind of buying up whatever I could. Yeah. And to add, when you're saying that you're just running into people connected with Star Trek, I was talking to Robert O'Reilly, just, you know, played Galron, just happened to be talking. And then he said, you know, he was going to sit down and, and have some dinner. And he's like, do you mind joining me? I was like, really? Sure. So we had like a light dinner together. So I got, I got to talk to him for a while and he's a really nice guy. And what was really weird to me was anytime I got him laughing, he sounded like a Klingon to me. He'd go, really? <laughs> <laughs> Did his eyes get big too? Oh yeah, we talked about it. his eye. He said that I think is his. I, I don't remember his grandchild. I can't remember if it was boy or girl. He said he remembers holding his grandchild for the first time, 
and all of it, he was like, oh, how sweet. And then it opened its eyes and he went, Bleh! he's like, got the big <laughs> eyes. <laughs> but, but, but just when he's, when he's, you know, just himself, his eyes aren't like huge. I think that's something he does for the character, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was sitting there, I was talking, I kept looking at his eyes like, they don't look that big. <laughs> They're kind of regular eyes. Well, and the, the amazing thing is like, so you see Robert O'Reilly and JG Hertzler at the table and you're like, oh, these are just, you know, so, some nice guys. And then you see them later in the convention in the Klingon makeup and you're like, oh my goodness, they look totally different. Don't they? Yeah, yeah, they really do. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I had a quite in-depth conversation with Harry Kim, Garrett, G- yes, Garrett, Garrett Wing. He's the nicest guy he in the is. world, he's isn't he? He's the one. He has his own booth, and he's there every year, and I'm always too shy to go up and say hi. But this year, I was walking past, and he, like, karate chopped me as, as he was talking to someone. <laughs> and he's like, oh, my gosh. And he, like, wrapped his arm around me, gave me this side hug, and was like, I'm so sorry. I just karate chopped you in the crotch. And I'm like, I just can't believe those words came out of it, and he's talking to me. And I think this is the episode title <laughs> right there. <laughs> So we, and he's just out amongst, he's not behind a table. He's out amongst the fans. He loves talking. And, you know, I was talking to him about how I've seen him every year. And so he was amazing. Another one was we were talking, right, Justin, we were talking to Garrett Spencer and up walks the one and only Walter Koenig. Just amazing. Like, yeah. He just and he just walked up and he was like, oh, I see you were in Star Trek The Next Generation. So tell me about your role and what then he just likes in this into this conversation with him. And and we were just kind of like watching and we're like, Walter was just (laughs) this everyday guy. And it was I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm standing, you know, two feet away from the great Walter Koenig. It was it was I was starstruck there. Yep. Just listening like, oh, my gosh, Justin, look, there he is. Justin's like, "Um, be (laughs) cool, Amy. I was like, oh, I can't help myself. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's like when I was getting uh, Connor and Dominic signing the call sheet. All of a sudden, this guy walks up and goes, hey, guys, it was Brent Spiner. And he just briefly was, you know, hey, I just got here. And, and they're like, oh, yeah, we should catch up later. Yeah. And he looks at all of us. He's pointing to us like, hey, hey, great. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> that's 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 yeah, that, that's an awesome thing. And one thing that I was feeling like, you know, these are people that that we we admire their performances and idolize what they do, but they're just real people. And when, when you just like bump into them in the vendor's room, you see they're like in a way, just like anyone else, but they just have this special acting skill, you know? So I, I felt that, that it just emphasized to me, like, these are just like real people and they just happen to have done this, this amazing thing or have this special skill. But there's, I don't know. I didn't feel for whatever reason, really starstruck by it. I was just like, wow, they're just like everybody else. That's cool. Yeah, I did I get uh, Marina Sirtis autograph. I had a student hand draw me a picture of Deanna Troy. And on the back, on the reverse, she wrote this lovely note and to me and stuff like that. So I brought that with me so that Marina could sign it, you know, because I didn't want 
this was special to me. It was drawn by one of my students. And so I handed it to Marina and she was like, oh, this is great. I said, yeah, I had one of my students. Oh, you're a teacher. And we just had this great discussion and how she likes teachers. And she told me about a couple of teachers from her past that really influenced her and, you know, basically thanked me, thanked me for my service. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you for entertaining me. And she was going on about how great teachers are. And she read what my student wrote and it was really just the highlights if you know me at all you know I love Troy so that was a big highlight of the convention for me anything else what are your final thoughts for your first Star Trek Las Vegas convention Bruce I have to say that this convention was a breath of fresh air for me because lately the conventions I've been going to have been Dragon Con in Atlanta. I've been going to the Star Wars celebrations in Anaheim and London and most recently in Orlando. And these things are like 70,000 people and it's just crowds and lines. Like you want to go to a panel, sometimes you have to get in line hours in advance or spend the night just to get into something and that's not always a guarantee this convention was so nice because anything i wanted to go to i could just walk into there was no waiting no nothing i mean i'm sure there's yeah i know there's lines for you know autographs or photo ops or whatever it is but again i mean those are still small in comparison to what i've been at other conventions and the only line i really had to wait in was uh to get to see the the props and the costumes for discovery. And that was maybe 15 minutes. So this was so great that I could just walk and do things and see people like we're talking about and, and just casually walk up to someone that you see and there's not a crowd of people you can just walk up and talk to them. So I would say that was a highlight. And my other highlight was I spent the whole four hours through all four panels of discovery on my first day. I really wanted to do that. Uh, just seeing you guys and everybody else that I've known online or through Trek FM was great. There's certain connections I wanted to make there that I got that's going to benefit literary treks. Hint, hint, tune in. And um, what else? Uh, gosh, I know I'm forgetting stuff. But it was just it was just cool to be around Star Trek for a few days. And that's your world. Right. It just it fills your bucket. And yes, Justin, what what are your final thoughts overall feeling of your first convention? Yeah, well, this was my my first time, so I was hoping I would have a great time. I had an absolutely amazing time. Um, it was so great to to see people that I knew, to see you, Amy and Bruce, and to see some other hosts and patrons and people I know on Twitter and Facebook, and and to really just just connect with people. And also to echo a little bit what Bruce said, this is the first con that I've gone to, but I've heard about some of these other ones where you have to wait in line for hours or overnight just to get into something. And, you know, now that I've experienced something where you can just walk in or you can buy a package to have a guaranteed seat or something like that, or even for general admission, I think you can just walk in and just find a seat. I don't think I would do it any other way because it feels so much more accessible and enjoyable. I don't think I would have enjoyed, for example, the discovery panels if I had to wait 12 hours to get in for it, you know? Um, and there were a lot of great connections that I made and, and, um, you know, things that I purchased and which my wife and I had just such a great time that at the end of it, we were like, we've definitely got to come back to this next year. This is just the the best thing. So had a really, really great time. Yeah. I 
was very happy. Last year was the 50th and Trek FM had quite a few hosts. And back then a year ago, it seems so long ago, I was the Uber fangirl and I was meeting all the hosts. I just couldn't even believe it. They, it was as exciting to me to meet Trek FM people as it was the actual actors. And so this year, again, had tried to influence as many people to come and I was pretty successful. Um, so Bruce, Justin, a couple shout outs, um, to the other people from Trek FM that we, um, had Mike Schindler came down obviously for the discovery and you heard us talk, uh, the edge there. And, uh, Tim Robertson is a associate producer on standard orbit. We met Greg Rozier, who's an associate producer on literary treks. Um, help me if I forget. That's specifically associated with Trek FM? Oh, Greg Malombi, a listen, fabulous listener on the Babel Conference. We got to hang out with him. And so just building those relationships within Trek FM because... Trek FM really reignited my fandom for Star Trek and I'm getting much more in depth and, and knowing more about Star Trek because of Trek FM. So I, to me, that was another huge part of the convention that I really, really enjoyed. We were able to go out to dinner, um, and it, it really made the convention very special. So Bruce, are you going to return next year? Cause Justin already said he would. You haven't asked me yet, Amy, if I'm going to return. I'm like, asking you, you now. Oh, me. Bruce, uh, you need to come. <laughs> well, I will say this. I would like to come. I was talking just the other night to Dan Gunther on literary treks and he really wants to come. So we are planning to probably come and also do shore leave. So maybe we'll hit both conventions next year. But then again, we said that earlier this year and Dan didn't come. So we'll see. I'm going to try. Now that I know that Dan has agreed, I will keep the pressure on him as well. Cause yeah. Excellent. And Justin, you're going to come back. Oh, absolutely. And I will be there as well. It's not a big trip for me. Um, I am fortunate that way. Um, but I did get a room at the hotel, so there is a, a quite an expense for me for one who lives here. Yeah. Well, it's been fun talking about Star Trek Las Vegas today, but it isn't the only thing we've been discussing here on the network. So here's a look at some of the other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Saturday Morning Trek. This episode is the only Star Trek that they used to only watch with me. Like, they had no interest in Star Trek except for this episode. If I said Star Trek, they'd say, Tribbles, oh, let's watch that that Tribbles where they get real big and sits in Kirk's chair. They (laughs) saw the live action one. They didn't, I mean, they kind of liked it, but they always went to the animated one. Standard Orbit. I was really hoping that Quinto would have a uh, tie-in to, you know, when the Hobbit trilogy came out, you know, a few years ago. I was like, oh, they might tie into that and Quinto can have a remix of the Ballad of Bilbo Baggins. They didn't, they didn't quite go there, did they? So No, they, they did not. They did not. But, you know, there are certain things that you can, I guess, mirror or remake. That is not something that should ever be remade. The 602 Club. As I mentioned previously, completely blind and... Not having known this history about him wanting to do a Tolkien-like world, I didn't get that at all. I mean, that's just, nope. 
and introducing The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. What have you done out there on the edge of Federation space? Welcome to The Edge, Trek FM's brand new podcast where we dive into the final frontier of the newest Star Trek series, Star Trek Discovery, the first Star Trek series to be on air in 12 and a half years, something like that. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, especially if you were there at Star Trek Las Vegas. And there's many ways that you can do that. The best place is to join the larger conversation in the Babel Conference. That's our listeners group on Facebook. You can find us by typing Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, we love those too. You can use the form on our website, at trek.fm slash contact. You can choose the show, and of course, you would select Earl Grey. That will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So, Justin, where can people contact you to discuss your first time at STLV? Well, if you'd like to discuss that or anything else related to Star Trek, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. And I'm currently tweeting about my uh, TNG Season 3 rewatch. And you can also find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. So, Bruce, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. And you can find me, of course, as we talked earlier, on Literary Treks with Dan Gunther. I just want to plug that on Sunday, the 20th, August 20th, is our 200th episode. So check it out. There's a, a few little surprises in that episode. So it's worth a listen. And if you don't read novels and stuff, you won't get lost on this one. This is a fun thing. And then uh, also I do Star Wars podcasting on the Star Wars Report at Star Wars Report. Com. And of course, you can always find me in the Babel Conference. That's B-A-B-E-L. I just like doing that. You can find me in the Babel Conference on Facebook. And Amy, where can people find you when you're not at the Rio? Well, you can find me talking on the edge with my other hosts, Aaron Harvey, Brandon Shamutella, and Michael Schindler. And you can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson. And my favorite place is on the Babel Conference, so find me there. Now, if you'd like to help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Trek FM to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more. Available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you can find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. And a special recognition to our current associate producers, Justin Ozer and Michael Huter. Thank you so much for supporting Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Things are only impossible until they're not. Great joy and gratitude.